Welcome to a special edition of the Kingdom Life Church podcast. This is an opportunity for us to dig in a little deeper on sermons from our weekly gatherings, to explore issues and topics important to us, and to have an ongoing conversation about life. Thank you for listening and enjoy the Kingdom Life Church podcast. Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of In Depth. Uh, in case you forgot, I'm Spencer, and I'm your host here. We got a really special guest with us today. Adam Narciso is here from Franklin, Tennessee, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what he's doing down there in Franklin here in a minute. But first, uh, Adam, thanks so much for coming and being here with us. Right on, Spencer. I'm happy to be here. Um, I want to jump right in so that our listeners aren't uh, left wondering. Can you just start with an introduction? Who are you? Why am I sitting here talking to you? Why did you come to Kingdom Life? Um, But start first with your family and then tell us a little bit about what you're doing down in Franklin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my wife Jenny and I have been married about 14 years. We have four children, two little girls, two little boys, ages nine to two. They make us laugh lots and Highly entertaining. So we've got a great family. Uh, we recently, in the last six months, moved to Franklin, Tennessee from the Seattle area, the great Pacific Northwest, Tacoma, Washington. That's a big adjustment. Huge adjustment, man. Coming from Seattle. We're kind of like the Seattle socialists, you know, that moved into the Bible Belt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big, like, hipster mania to country music capital. <laughs> you know, it's fun. Everyone everyone sees it as the country music capital, and, and sh- certainly it is, you know. But now, my understanding is most of the music in the United States recorded there in Middle Tennessee. That it's is crazy. Wild, wild so place. country or not, it's, country or it's not, happening there. It's happening there. Right on. So what are you doing in Franklin? Why did, you, why did you move? Well, we founded a ministry called Catalyst Ministries in 2009. Um, essentially, it's a training and global outreach mission for the next generation. And over the years, we've run community-based training schools, like a School of Transformation over the summertime, a nine-month Bible and Supernatural Ministry training school, as well as uh, we've conducted mobile equipping seminars. We've done a, a number of those here with Kingdom Life Church here in Upland, or mm-hmm. in Gas, Gas City, rather. Um, the Freedom Equip, the Hearing yep. God Equip. We've yet to do a, a gospel encounters equipped here. So those are the three seminars we, we take on the road. And we share them with different communities and ministries really around the world. That's um, great. And then the third thing we do is we raise up, train, and mobilize international mission teams to be sent into the nations for the completion of the Great Commission. And so that's been our journey. We, we pioneered this ministry in Tacoma, like I said, in 2009. And uh, we moved, just following real clear direction from the Lord, to Middle Tennessee this last August with this kind of this dream to multiply. And we really feel like it's something of a mandate from God where we're, we are positioning ourselves, innovating some of our programs, because we, we really envision m- multiplying some of our, our schools and sharing them with other churches, other mm-hmm. local com- communities um, in different parts of the world. That's and, very cool. Nashville, naturally being a church hub and a place where God has done incredible things in a, in a variety of different um, spheres of society and then multiplied from there, it was really in our best interest to move to kind of a hub like Central a nerve location. center. Mm-hmm. 
centralize and then work with some strategic leaders that we've been in friendship with there. That's really cool. So you said that this is something that, you know, you founded this ministry. I think that this, well, first of all, let me tell the listeners, I have some very dear friends who have done many of your different uh, ministry schools, ministry Uh trainings, and they um, truly were transformed. Wow. So that's, that's awesome. And, and, um, uh, you know, an endorsement, I guess, as it were for that, uh, for the listeners, if you want more information, we're going to have all of Adam's, uh, contact information. I mean, not as, you know, not as like personal digits, but the catalyst (laughs) school, uh, on our website. So make sure that you go there. If you're interested, if, if what he just described, um, uh, resonates with you if your if your heart started burning when Adam was talking then make sure that you uh, get connected with his stuff we're going to have links on our website um we'll talk more about that later but Adam as you're talking I'm sitting here thinking okay so he's uh, you and your wife have have uh, started this ministry did you just wake up one morning and were like hey let's start a ministry or uh I mean how, what was the what did the process look like for you to be like oh wow I mean cuz what you're talking about is really an apostolic commission yeah to raise up leaders and send them into other cultures that are not like the kingdom of heaven with the expressed purpose of bringing heaven to earth. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, it's, it's definitely been a journey. And I would say that um, I remember first moving to Tacoma uh, in, in the early 2000s. And one of the first God dreams I ever had after moving there was I was in a classroom setting in downtown Tacoma with a view of the water, and I was in what I understood to be our church's ministry school. Um, Having woke up from that dream, we didn't have a ministry school at that time. We didn't live in downtown Tacoma. We were about 20 minutes away from that area. But I just knew, I felt like I'd seen something from God. And over the years, our church really carried a dream to have some type of training center that equipped, trained, discipled um, people from different parts of the world in our in our context. Um, to make a long story short, as 2009 rolled around, there was an increased burden from the Lord on an, a few of um, young leaders like myself, my wife, and, and a few others, our hearts that we needed to start this school this summer. So I want to interrupt you because did I, I want to make sure I'm following this timeline right. Yep. It sounds like you said that from the time that you had that dream and until this thing started happening, you does it sound like, how long was that? Seven years. So it wasn't you had a dream and the next day we were birthing a ministry. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. In fact, I served in a variety of ministry capacities prior to that, all of which were phenomenally important for my own development Mm -hmm. and my own training experience. Um, In fact, when I received that dream, I didn't understand from that dream that I would be leading it. I remember White waking up from that dream going, wouldn't it be amazing if I could teach a class in our future ministry school? Wow. In other words, I didn't interpret my gift and contribution to our church as being at a place of significance where I would envision pioneering something myself in that context. I just thought, well, my highest hope would be maybe I can teach a class. Of course, in the course of time, as we were faithful to uh, carry out the assignments that God did give us, Mm -hmm. um, the Lord began to entrust us with more. That's a way of God. The one who's faithful with little Mm -hmm. will be given more. 
And as we steward well what God did give us, he increased our influence, his hand upon our life. And there was a sense of confidence that came around in 2009 that accompanied us because I think our history with God, Mm -hmm. that we just knew we had to do something. We had to step out into, into the future. In other words, we had to take what was a dream for a long time carried by many, and we had to put feet to it. And there was like a holy dissatisfaction with sitting on our hands and waiting mm-hmm. for that kind of ethereal dream to emerge. So was there pushback? No, there, was, there truly wasn't. Um, not pushback in the sense that we were challenged by anyone in our midst to not mm-hmm. do what we're doing. If anything, there was confu- some confusion even at, uh, in the heart of other leaders as to whether or not we were the candidates for the job. Mm. Um, in fact, many people, myself included, thought that our future ministry would be wrapped up in like platform evangelism. Okay. We were actually preparing for that. We had run a few different local campaign style or stage, large platform style crusades, if you will, or yeah. outreaches, seen many young people saved, healed, set free. We thought that's the direction we were going. Um, and then, of course, when our hearts returned to this concept for the na- the training school has to happen now, the burden grew so large that the sense was, I may not be God's first choice for this assignment, mm-hmm. but I won't, say, I won't tell him no. Yeah. Um, and that was the conviction of my heart. I didn't necessarily think in the moment that I was God's first choice. I just knew that it was on his heart and it needed to be done. Wow. Um, which, so it sounds like <clears throat> it was this dream that really birthed this thing in you prior to the dream. Had you been thinking like, Oh yeah, I'm going to start a ministry. I'm going to, I'm going to run my own ministry someday. You know, it's funny. Um, yes, the, the, absolutely. Um, and, and part of that started, I saw that kind of in God's fingerprints in my own journey with him. As mm-hmm. soon as I came to the Lord, even my freshman year in high school, there was a sense like, among some of my friends and I, we got to do something on our campus. Why? Because Jesus wants to do something on our campus. And so we started gathering, you know, lunchtime Bible study every Thursday. Okay. And God blessed it. We were doing what we knew to do and reaching out with the gospel, serving our campus, leading Bible studies, proclaiming the gospel, etc. In the course of time, we left, we left that school. There was 300 young people gathering on Thursdays um, every week. Wow. Uh, stepped into community college. There was a sense of, we need to do something for college students. Now, this is you as a student absolutely. in these places. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had great leaders in my life who believed in championing young people, mm-hmm. and I happened to be one of them. And so I didn't, I didn't believe. I mean, I, I think I grew up with a paradigm for empowering young people because mm-hmm. I was a young person who was empowered by someone else. Yeah. Same thing happened in community college. We pioneered a, a college ministry in my mom's house, my mom's living room. Um, for young people, and God blew that thing up, you know, and, and multiplied it until I left town. And so th- I think in my own journey with the Lord, there were things that I'd seen the Lord start through us, just kind of without a big strategic business plan, mm-hmm. just taking taking a step of risk and, yeah. and seeing what would happen, and, and God blessed it. In addition to some of those, those clear kind of victories, I guess, what I remember sitting down and receiving, uh, you know, prophetic prayer for my original design. And one of the components of my original design was entrepreneur and pioneer. 
And I remember my friends, this ministry couple saw a picture of me running around the globe. You know, I was, think I was like 19 years Mm -hmm. old in in that moment when, when they saw that and it rang true in my heart. And what year, what year was that? Oh man, you're going to make me. Well, I'll I'll ask it. Well, I think it's going to age you either way. (laughs) How, how long before you took your first international trip? I'll ask it that way. Actually, my first international trip I took when I was freshly saved as it. Okay. Having finished freshman year in high school, I was 14 years old. Okay. First time I got on a plane was to um, spend my summer overseas for missions. That's great. And so missions then became integral part of my DNA because Mm -hmm. I engaged mission and the Great Commission in my first year as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I've spent my summers overseas as a high school student, um, spring breaks in Mexico. Wow. And um, naturally, when I became a youth pastor, the first one of the first projects we took on was uh, taking our ki- our youth group um, to uh, Mexico for an international missions experience. That's amazing. And so for me, I, I don't think I've ever been able to separate my Christian experience from from missions. Yeah, from missions. And the That's Great so cool. So now I want to I want to get a little bit more specific because as long as I've known you, which has probably only been about four years or so. <clears throat> um, it, the the prophetic, um, the spirit-empowered Christian walk is always what I've seen displayed in your ministry and the people that you bring with you. Um, it's what I uh, have encountered through the people who've come to your training schools. Like That's a very big part of uh, what you do in those training schools. Were you always, like from the time that you got saved, was... Was uh, the prophetic, was the supernatural a part of your Christian experience? I would say yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that God was speaking to me. I, I didn't always recognize it as his voice. Mm-hmm. I was responding to the things I was sensing, and I was seeing God do incredible things. Yeah. Um, so yes and no. My mom was actually saved in a real charismatic, spirit-filled church, the Salinas Vineyard Christian Fellowship. I came to faith in Christ, um, certainly through the testimony of my mom and what God done in her life, but Mm -hmm. then more specifically responded to the gospel in an evangelical Presbyterian church where I was then plugged into a youth group, discipled. and, And of course, that church being rich in discipleship in the Word was not necessarily experiential with respect to the personal work of the of the spirit. Okay. Um, fast forward a few years in my later my high school experience, I begin to see as I read the New Testament the experience of the earliest disciples and that of Jesus of the the spirit empowered life, and I began to long for it. And so, some, one of my best friends and I just began to uh, seek the Lord and pray. And in fact, we fasted once a week together. Just, God, would you open our ears to hear your voice? Mm. And specifically, the same way that you spoke to Jesus in John 4 about the woman at the well, would you do that for me? Yeah. And And when did you start seeing that become a reality? Weeks later. Yeah. um, Weeks later, I had my first, well, I'd say gospel encounter, you know, where the Holy Spirit gave me the secrets of a young man's heart. Mm -hmm. While I, uh, interrupting me while I was in a discipleship meeting at a, you know, burger joint, and I approached him 
nervous as heck, yeah. sweaty palms, the whole bit, and shared with him some the, the five things that I felt Jesus speak to me about him. To make a long story short, that young man was blown away by the the knowledge of God, the omniscience of God. Was and he a believer? He was not. Okay. And actually, in the course in, in, of that encounter, that those words of knowledge about this young man led to him giving his his life to Jesus right then and there. And it, I remember thinking, I wanted, I don't care what my job is, where I go to school, I just want to be able to do this the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Um, that testimony takes a further step when I hear two weeks later from this young man again that he took that report of what happened to him in that encounter. He took it home to his brother mm-hmm. and he shared what happened and he told me the same thing happened to him. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my brother started to cry as I told him everything you told me. And then I prayed. He says, I prayed with him the same prayer that you prayed with me. Yeah. And then we went into the backyard and we broke our marijuana bongs and our pipes with rocks. Wow. And we just committed to following Jesus. Wow. <laughs> I remember thinking, what? Look what happens when God shows up and, yeah. and you take risk. And, and I remember, again, telling the Lord, God, I don't care where I, where I go, what I do. I just want to be able to do this kind of stuff mm-hmm. the rest of my life. I feel like um, I, I'm not the one who came up with this saying, but I feel like that story is a great illustration of uh, success in the kingdom uh, is spelled risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it doesn't even... Like the outcome, we might not even see. Like you, you had the privilege, you know, the Lord honored that in allowing you to see the fruit of that right, right away. Sometimes that doesn't happen. That's right. You know, I've given words to people. I've ministered to people prophetically and never know the outcome of it. But that's not why we do it. Absolutely. You know, we do it to honor um, the Lord and, and his His desire just to meet with his children, to be close to his kids. Absolutely. Um, so, and that story might be your answer to this next question, but, um, I feel like somebody who's been walking this walk, doing this thing, as long as you have, you've probably got some pretty amazing stories. So I'm going to ask you now to think of one where, um, you stepped out in faith to, in, in response to a prophetic word. So it could be a word of knowledge. Maybe it's a prophetic word that the Lord gave you about something mm-hmm. you were supposed to do for your own family or ministry, mm-hmm. or whatever. And you thought it was absolutely crazy. Like you thought this word, there's no way this is going to end up. But the Lord showed up and everything just was was amazing. Uh, anything coming to mind? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, because that story that I just told was, you know, Adam at 17 years old, because I, I began to say, Lord, I want to do this the rest of my life. Those stories have really kind of populated the, the timeline, the story of my life. Um, I think of another story that happened just a, a few years um, after that encounter. I was, when I was 17 years old, I remember um, 19 years old, working for Starbucks. You know, naturally, I'd fallen asleep after my shift at about 12.30 p.m. on the couch and the phone been, rang. Been there, done yeah, that. Yeah, the phone rang, you know, and it was back in the day when we used to have landlines. There were oh, yeah. actual phones that were connected like to the wall. Plugged into the wall, yeah, 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 I remember this. And I remember thinking, oh, just make it stop because it was ruining my nap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, and then the answer machine picked up. We used to have these things that pick, answered our phone calls <laughs> that we didn't get. Right. People, it's yeah. like a voicemail, but it was a box. That Did yours the actually wall. have the little tape in it, too? 
That one, I'm not, I don't know. Remember if that one remember, did because I remember my parents would have to go like buy a new <laughs> tape for the voice for the answering machine before it was even digital. <laughs> and so this man leaves a message on the answering machine, and I'm like, make it stop in my mind, and it's beep, you know, yeah. hang up, and I go back to sleep. And as I'm laying there, I don't know if it, while I was sleeping or if it, while I was awake these clear ideas about this man began to populate my mind. Hmm. I wake up from my nap and I'm thinking, did I hear from God? What was that? Did someone legit leave a message on her answer machine? I get up, I walk over there and sure enough, it's blinking one message, one message, one message. And as I played the message, it's of course the man that I remember hearing Mm -hmm. while I was half asleep. And I thought, no, I certainly didn't hear from God. You know, there's always that sense of, that's my imagination. Yep. Maybe that's the devil. Mm-hmm. You know, we always like to blame the devil whenever we start hearing the yeah. voice of God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> and I remember being challenged by the Lord. Will you call him? He left you the number. Well, this guy was a sales guy. He left a message on our answer machine because he was trying to sell us something. Wow. I picked up the phone, heart racing, palm sweating, <laughs> dialed the number. <laughs> And no answer. It goes to voicemail. And I thought, great. It must not have been God because, mm. you know, if it was God. Obviously, he would have um, answered. Obviously. I mean, duh. Because when something's Lord, <laughs> you know, it's never challenging. It never, you oh, know. of course. Never. <laughs> it's always easy. And I felt the Lord rebuke me. Like, leave him a message. Mm. Like, leave a message? What am, <laughs> I, what am I supposed to say? Give a prophetic word of knowledge <laughs> over an answer machine. Mm. The Lord challenged me. And I said, Hey, this is this is Adam. I'm responding to your call. If anything about what I'm about to say is true, give me a call back. <laughs> so I believe in Jesus. I said he was speaking to me about you today, and I think that he's told me that you're struggling under addiction. Hmm. It's such a serious addiction that this addiction has led to the ruin of friendships with family and friends, and you've been disconnected from family and friends. And you feel like a failure, but God wants to set you free of that addiction and begin to mend those relationships. Wow. And I remember thinking, <laughs> so nervous. <laughs> I remember thinking, as I'm leaving this message, I say the words, <clears throat> if any of this is true, go and call me back. And I left my phone number. I said, thanks so much. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so I ended it like I was ending like, a prayer. Like you know, I was just trying to get off the phone. <laughs> like, I just got to make it stop. <laughs> well... Sometime later, just uh, probably a couple days later, I get a phone call on my cell phone while I was at work. Take a break, go in there to answer it in the break room, and uh, it's this guy. Hmm. And his words were, how did you know? Yeah. How did you know? He's crying on the other line. He said, everything you said is true. And of course, in that moment, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, there's a part of you that think it worked. Oh my gosh, yeah. it worked. You know? <laughs> You're just as shocked. At, yeah. And there's another part of you where the evangelist spirit, you know, is, turns on and you see the platform that God's, mm-hmm. God's set in front of you to stand on to, to proclaim the good news of Christ. And, and I, I was able to share again, you know, I don't, I don't know anything, but there's a God in heaven who loves you and knows all things. And he yeah. loves you enough to share the secrets of your heart with a stranger. And of mm-hmm. course, that, that dude gave his life to the Lord right then and there. 
I got a phone call from him a month later, and he said, Jesus is changing his life. He got plugged into a church down the street. He moved back in with his family. Wow. Relationships are being restored, and he just thanked me. So I remember saying again, Lord, I want to do this the rest rest, of my life. Yeah. And I I think that I love that story because for me, it's a picture of, okay, the words of knowledge are cool. When somebody gets healed, it's cool. Like we rejoice in all that, but the reason behind it is to reveal the heart of a father who loves his children so desperately. He will do anything to move closer to them, to get them to move closer to him. And so here it was not only this man who started a new relationship with the Lord or renewed a relationship with the Lord, but a family was reconciled. Yes. And, and, um, you know, I mean, as we read the Bible, we see time and time again, this allusion to, uh, the, the family of, you know, the kingdom being, um, these ideas being central to it being like a family. That's right. You know? And so I think that that's so cool. And, and, uh, I just want to, uh, actually take a break real quick from our interview and we'll pick it up here in just a minute after this spot. We want your feedback. Do you have questions about a Kingdom Life sermon you heard recently? Or maybe you have a topic suggestion for the monthly in-depth podcast. If that is you, please send them our way. Submit your thoughts and questions to us via Instagram, Facebook Messenger, or you can email them to spencer.kingdomlifechurch at gmail.com. Of course, you can always feel free to chat with us on a Sunday night as well. We look forward to interacting with you, and thanks for listening to In-Depth, a special edition of the Kingdom Life Church podcast. All right, we're back with Adam Narciso from Franklin, Tennessee and Catalyst Ministries. Uh, I want to kick off this second half of the podcast with a question here. For someone who wants to grow in this stuff, they want, they want like you, their prayer has been, Lord, I just want to do this for the rest of my life. But maybe they don't feel activated in it. Maybe they don't feel uh, like it is happening. Maybe every time they've given a word, it's been wrong. Uh, what's your advice to them? What do you say? Well, I think for those who want to go deeper, come in, to Catalyst in right? the things of God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's things that there's the direction I always point people to is is, is number one, you you want to do it with with some friends. You want to do it with community. Mm-hmm. You can go further and farther into the things of God. Oh, so important when you do it in community, yeah. and, and that's the way God designed it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the beauty of the body of Christ. I think it's, it was perhaps more of a pattern in the Old Testament that there would be singular prophets who would carry the word of the Lord for a nation. Mm-hmm. But in the New Testament, what we see is it's a body of believers yeah. who have need one for another. Mm-hmm. And the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. And so you want to, go, you want to spend time with the community who are leaning into these things mm-hmm. and grow in that environment. Um, and then secondly... I think you want to get your hands on content. And there are always great resources out there. Of course, mm-hmm. podcasts, teaching, um, training schools, you yeah. know, seminars. You want to get your hands on good content. Mm-hmm. And you want to maintain a consistent diet on teaching and resources that are going to help you and challenge you and direct you mm-hmm. in, in the way of the Lord in these areas. And then the third thing 
I would say you just got to do it. You got to you got to step out. You got to take risk. Yep. You got to you got to um, be let yourself be blown by the wind, so to speak. And <clears throat> without without that, truly, even even the first two things fall short. Just remaining in community, getting teaching, mm-hmm. without the reality of taking risk, mm-hmm. you you're, you're never gonna see um, victories. You're never gonna see God break in. And so, the, the, there's there's three three things I'd point someone to. That's really good. Great advice. Hey, since we're talking about community and family, um, I want to kind of shift us to a different direction here. Uh, you talked about having four kids, and you said ages nine to two. That's correct. All right, man. Bless you. I'm ages nine. Oh, well, I've got three ages nine to two as well, but only three. So right. <clears throat> you're one up on me. Um, how, or with regard to being a father, what have you learned about the father from being a father? Now, I'm sure that this list could be very long, but like maybe what are the top three things that maybe just pop in your mind real quick? Uh, that you have learned specifically about the father's heart by you yourself being a dad? You know, the first thing I'd say is I've learned that there's tremendous delight in the heart of the father. Mm. I remember holding my daughter Nina on the hospital bed two in the morning when she'd woken up and she just got done feeding. And I remember holding her there, looking at her her face under the the dim hospital light. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, this child has nothing to offer me. Can't do anything. Yeah. No, they don't. And <laughs> yet I was enamored. Mm-hmm. Now, is this your first one? My Nina's first number one? one. Okay. Nina's number one. And I just remember thinking, my heart is full of yeah. just this delight. Wow. And that's something I've seen. It's not gone away. And I'll still look at each one of my kids and mm-hmm. from... You know, nearly every day of the week, I just stare. And mm-hmm. that's what I feel. I feel delight. I feel like I, I, I gaze on them and I think of how amazing they are. Yeah. And uh, even the days they're punks, you know. Yeah. Oh, and they are. <laughs> and sometimes. they can be punks. Yep. I find myself still <laughs> doing that. I think that's true in the heart of God. Oh, yeah. Is that the in the Father's heart, there's tremendous delight for it over his kids. Cause how much more so can we be punks? Right. <laughs> I think it, it probably is even uh, more magnified because sometimes our kids are punks and they just don't know any better. Yeah. But like sometimes as adults, we're like, I know I'm a punk That's and weird. I'm going to do it anyway for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the story you shared last night about that moment with your wife in the bedroom where you turned around <laughs> and walked out and you knew it. But then, yeah. I mean, you know, the response was obviously correct in there. And, um, but yeah, that's really cool. So I love that. Um, how has the prophetic informed you being a dad or informed your parenting? You know, a lot of ways. Um, for one, it's connected us to a perspective of truth over our kids yeah. that governs the way we think about them, even when their behavior sucks. Yep. And um, that's the nature I think of of the prophetic is it helps us see people from God's perspective. Yeah, that doesn't mean it helps us disregard their sin, right. their areas of darkness, mm-hmm. um, their behavior that's deficient. No, it helps us address those things yep. in light of 
their heavenly identity. Exactly. Because it gives us more fuel to the fire of bringing them into right living. That's exactly uh, right. To like, you know what? You are way more awesome than the way that you're behaving right now. That's exactly right. I find myself saying to people around me, my wife all the time, I'm like, I don't know how people parent without the Holy Spirit. There you go. Like I, this happened to me the other day. I was, <clears throat> my nine year old was giving us a stink about taking a shower. I don't know what it is, but he just didn't want to take a shower. Uh, he showers down in our basement and I was walking down the steps to go get something out of the laundry room, which is connected to the bathroom down there. And it felt like the Holy Spirit told me on the way down, like, uh, he's going to try to deceive you about taking a shower. And I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. So I just go on down at the bo- at the foot of the stairs. There he is wrapped in a towel. His hair's dry, but I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. Um, I just thought, Oh, that's weird. And I didn't say one word to him. I walk past him to go grab what I need to grab. He turns around, pulls his towel open, is frustrated, like does his like growl. He had all of his clothes on still. His, his, he had just pulled his pants up to his knees so I couldn't see them under the towel. And I said, I said, son, on my way down the stairs, the Holy Spirit told me you were going to try to do something like this. Wild. And I said, you can try to lie to your mom and dad, but you can't lie to the Holy Spirit. Wow. There you go. And, you know, and not in a manipulation kind of way. Um, and you know, there's enough other context around the Holy Spirit. And I know that my kids hear his voice because I've been, I've been like jaw on the floor before when they've said (laughs) something that's just like, Oh, and a little child shall lead them. Okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah. That's so good. Really cool. I love the story. Oh man. I, I, you know, it's like, I, I, even that in my own life is something I've prayed for. Like, Holy, like Holy Spirit, I just want you to be talking to me when I'm not, when I'm not thinking about it, when I'm not focused necessarily on you, but you know, it's like an indication that this, that this channel, this pathway, you know, my heart is open to hear. Um, last question I have for you. What is one piece? So I don't, I don't know how old you are now. You're keeping that one under wraps. 35. 35. Okay. Uh, what advice so 15 years removed, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self now about leadership and ministry, maybe about parenting, what it, maybe just about, uh, it, well, it could be about anything, but what's yep. like the, the number one thing that you'd be like, oh, I, I should have known this? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. You know, I, could, I, should, I can say that over the years, the Lord, through... Um, through my own leadership um, has made me a lot more self-aware. And my personality, my upbringing, kind of the culture I come from meant that my humor, my um, some of the direct way I would communicate would actually serve to kind of like cut people mm-hmm. um, even when I wasn't trying. And I was clueless about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I would say that I think I've learned a lot. I've become a lot more self-aware here in my mid-30s. Over the years, just as a leader, I would think I would probably grab 20-year-old Adam by the shoulders, look at him straight in the eye, and, and, and truly call him to love and, and serve the people that, that God would surround him with. Mm. For mission, mm-hmm. and 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 to protect them from a sharp tongue, mm-hmm. from a, a, a humor that would cut them, or 
sarcasm that would cut them. Yeah. You know, these things that I think over the course of years I began to see patterns go, man, that, that stuff ain't right. And I didn't, I just didn't know it wasn't, it was there. Yeah. So Wow. That You can go back and tell 20-year-old me that same advice because <laughs> I feel like that's something that I've seen too. I've had to go back and clean up a lot of messes uh, just because of being unaware, yep. you know. And so, great. Well, Adam, thanks so much uh, for spending some time with us here. Uh, I know that our listeners are really going to take a lot of, away from this conversation. But uh, for them, before we go, uh, pray. And, um, you know, I'd, I'm, I'd ask that there'd be some activation, uh, impartation through there. Uh, you know, the Lord gives us so that we can give it away. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you feel like the Lord's saying to you, just go ahead and bless our listeners. Right on. Father, in the name of Jesus, just want to thank you, Lord, for every listener right now, God, and for the hearts that are hungry for you, for the things of God, hungry, Lord, to hear your voice, hungry to experience a life of faith with you and obedience with you where they see your supernatural activity um, in their life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, would you release your Holy Spirit in increased measure in the lives of those who are genuinely hungry for more? That's good. Father, I pray that you would, uh, in Jesus' name, open eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to feel, minds to know what the Spirit is saying. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray for divine interruptions Mm. in the next few days for listeners, Lord, that you'd kindly interrupt them with thoughts and knowledge and insight for, for, for others around them and for situations that would present themselves in that day, Lord, that would, um, that would equip the listener and the hearer, Lord, with, with understanding and insight for ministry. Lord, that they would have graced and courage to step out in faith and obedience, partnering with you, and God, that you would prove yourself present, Emmanuel, the God with them, by displaying um, your presence and your power in and through them. Lord, I thank you for the list, these listeners. I thank you, Lord, for their hunger for you. I thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon them, guiding them, leading them. And, and I thank you that you've given them your Holy Spirit, yeah. the one who proceeds from the Father, who takes that which is of Jesus and declares it to us now holy spirit come and declare jesus yeah. to the listener in jesus name amen amen uh thanks so much again adam for your time today and uh thanks for listening and if you like what you heard check back often for the next edition of in depth from kingdom life church